We are living in a time when history is under attack. There are those out there who are teaching falsehood and misinformation about our historical figures, who they were, what their desires were, and things that they did in their time. It is crucially important for us as men to understand the truth about our historical facts and figures and to understand who they were, what they really did, the context around the time period they were living in, and what their actions really meant and what they wanted for the future. Today we're going to be taking a look at a great historical figure, Christopher Columbus, and we're also going to look at a lot of the myths that are surrounding him and the fallacies about who he was and what he did. I hope you guys will enjoy this new style of show today as we dig into historical figures and begin to understand a better picture of history so that we can truly hold on to the loyalty and the foundation of who these figures were and, again, what our country is built upon. What kind of man are you? This life will require you to be steadfast, immovable, strong, and courageous. Though this world says you should get a trophy just for showing up, and there are no winners and losers, you must train to win the prize. You do the hard things. You persevere. You are becoming the man God created you to be. You exercise discipline, the discipline of manliness. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Discipline of Manliness podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It is great to have you back, or if you are with us for the first time, thank you for tuning in. This podcast exists to build up men to be disciplined and faithful men who have a vision for their lives, and they execute that vision on a daily basis. Our intention here is to become the men that God created us to be. I am your host and founder, Colin Hornback. I am by no means the epitome of discipline or manliness. I am just a man on the path. I'm working to become a better man each and every day and to become the man that God has made me to be. And I'm here to just share what I'm learning and how I'm developing in my masculinity. Thanks again for tuning in and for giving me some of your time today. It truly does mean a lot that you guys would take the time to listen to this show. Guys, I am really excited about today's topic. Today's episode is the beginning of something new for the podcast. In today's world, history is being challenged and rewritten, and certainly not for the better. The revisionist history that's being propagated in our schools and in our societies is prevalent and pervasive. It is crucial that we know our history and the truth about our historical figures so that we can properly assert facts and protect our society and the the society that our forefathers built. I'm sure you've all heard the aphorism, those who don't know history are destined to repeat it, or you may have heard it as those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Uh, Spoken, uh, attributed anyways to Edmund Burke, uh, originally stated by George Santayana. Um, With that all in mind, I'm working to improve my education in history and the founding of our country. Uh, I'm also getting a a great education on our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence in a Constitution class offered at my church. So I'm really excited for that. And I'm going to be bringing some great insights and information to you on that topic as well in the future. And uh, today in particular, um, I'm going to be using a book by David and Tim Barton called The American Story. That'll be my primary resource today as I share some really cool facts with you. What this show is going to be about is uh, historical figures, and I think we're going to come back and revisit a number of different historical figures, maybe some myths or fallacies that we've been taught and learned about these different men in history. I want to come back and challenge those assumptions that we have or the the quote-unquote facts that we've been taught 
and just dig into the real history of who these men were, what they really did, how some of the myths and fallacies came to be propagated again throughout our education system and, and so on and so forth. And today I'm, I couldn't think of any better place to start than with Christopher Columbus. So let's start with some of the common myths and misinformation about Columbus. One is that he was a member of the slave trade and brought the slave trade to the Americas. Uh, it's often taught that he sailed west only seeking gold and wealth. He was, quote-unquote, responsible for bringing disease and sickness to Native Americans. That he discovered America and the Caribbean islands. And it's often portrayed that he was a genocidal maniac uh, who was responsible for wiping out an entire indigenous people. Or that he sought to just pillage and destroy the Indians that were here. It's easy to see why so many people, when these are the, the quote-unquote facts uh, that they're taught about Christopher Columbus, would want to remove a day dedicated to him and try to remove him from history altogether. But these statements are nothing but revisionist history, fabricated to remove us from the truth about how colonists originally arrived here. So today we're going to look at these facts on who Columbus really was and what he really did. Columbus was born in Italy around 1451. He took to sailing early on in life and ultimately became one of the best navigators of his day. He was a devout Christian and it became his goal to sail across the Atlantic to Asia in order to spread the gospel to those who'd never heard. It's really interesting that that, that again is never taught in schools. You know, we're never taught that is why he originally planned his voyages across the Atlantic. So again, just super interesting stuff that, that I was never taught even as a, a young man in school. Columbus was actually quoted as desiring to share about the God who is, quote, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. And he also quotes for himself Psalm 65, 5 as one of the passages that inspired him to sail across the Atlantic. When Columbus sailed across the Atlantic and discovered the Carib Islands and ultimately the Americas, it was not the first time anyone had sailed to the Americas. More specifically, it was the first time anyone had sailed over here along that particular latitude. In reality, the Vikings actually had sailed here hundreds of years before, but it was Columbus' arrival that marked the beginnings of Western colonization. When Columbus first sought to sail across the Atlantic, he actually originally went to the King of Portugal, but he actually turned him down due to the financial risk of, of that venture. So... Being rejected from Portugal, Columbus actually sent his brother to England to seek funding, and while he instead went to Spain to request funding from Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, who ultimately, after years of Columbus working with them and explaining the venture and working to gain you know, their trust and everything, they finally agreed to finance that venture. The, the voyage they actually ended up financing was a very, very small, meager trip at the time of only three ships. Uh, so this is, again, very, very small small in, uh, voyage, small investment. Um, again, probably a great amount of risk, and I'm sure they didn't want to risk too much for this venture, seeing as, uh, again, most people at that time believed the world was flat, and Columbus was the only one who was not maybe the only one, but uh, one of very few who was thinking that he could actually sail across the Atlantic Ocean to find new lands, to find Asia. When Columbus first landed in the Carib Islands, on the first of his four voyages across the Atlantic, he originally named the first island he landed on San Salvador, which translates to Holy Savior. There's a painting depicting this landing in the U.S. Capitol building. 
this would be the first encounter of natives in America to, or in the Carib Islands, to meet people from this far east. When he originally landed, he encountered two distinct tribes of, of Indians in those Carib Islands. One was called the Taino, and one is called the Caribs. Columbus would tout the Taino as, quote, the best people in the world and a better race there cannot be, end quote. Columbus actually abdicated for their full citizenship and equality, including civil rights. The Caribs, however, which is where we derive the word Caribbean, uh, were also known as Canibs. And yes, I did say Canibs, and I'm sure you might be able to guess what other word we derive from that. Yes, it is cannibal. While the Taino told Columbus of the Carib tribe and their grotesque practices, he wasn't really able to validate the stories on that first trip. Uh, after finding this friendly group of Indians, though, Columbus did sail back to Spain and ended up returning with 17 ships and 1,200 settlers to come to this kind of new world. Now, here's where some people start the story of Columbus. It's as if he just sailed over to the Carib Islands and brought a bunch of colonists with him and started killing off the natives. That's really not the correct story. What actually happened is that while Columbus was gone, the Carib tribe attacked the Taino tribe, killing many of their men and eating them. When they captured the women, uh, they took them back to their tribe, and just due to the fact I know some of you listen to this show with your children, we'll just say they did some really terrible things to those women and to the children they bore while in captivity. When Columbus finally returned, the remnant of the Tino tribe had told him what had happened, and Columbus went to find the Carib tribe. He ultimately liberated the captured Tino women and went on to help protect the Tinos whenever he could. Unfortunately, not all the explorers who were with him felt the same way, and Columbus' own crew ended up ultimately taking up arms against him because of his caring treatment of the native tribe. They ultimately overthrew him in his role, and uh, his actual role at the time was governor of those new islands. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella had made him the governor of this new world, and they overthrew him in that, in that position. And just to set the record straight about Columbus capturing natives and enslaving them uh, or taking them back to Spain and into Europe for the slave trade, that is actually wildly inaccurate. The natives that were captured and brought to Spain by force were the cannibalistic Caribs or those captured under what would, would have been known at the time as a legitimate warfare. And Columbus was well within his rights to capture those people at the time and do what he did. The Taino, however, uh, the, the other tribe that came back with him, they actually came back with him voluntarily. Uh, one of the tribesmen was even made a member of the royal court in Spain, and another who had come back with him ended up taking Columbus' last name and continued on to travel with him as an interpreter. So again, some of these myths that we've been taught that he just came over here, wiped out indigenous tribes with, with sickness, with illness, by killing them and taking their goods, you're beginning to see depending on when you come into the story and what certain portions you take from the story, you, you can see how these have all been wildly made up or um, they've taken certain facts and just blown them way out of proportion and taken them completely out of context. The idea that Columbus was, was greedy and only sailing to this new world in search of gold and wealth or was genocidal is also completely false. Not to suggest that he's a perfect person. Obviously, he was a man and he had certain faults, just like we all do. 
But the, the narrative we are being told in schools, whether it's primary, secondary, or, or higher education, these things are wildly inaccurate at best or completely false and complete revisionist history at worst. In fact, during Columbus' time as governor, he, again, regularly worked to protect the Taino tribe. He worked to ensure their fair and equal treatment. And the stories we hear today actually came up back even in Columbus Day, too. These, these kind of fake stories, this false narrative that we hear of him. And that, uh, that's verified on his third trip back to the New World. Columbus found Spanish colonists mistreating and enslaving the Taino people, which he promptly punished those colonists. Uh, the colonists, however, revolted and overthrew Columbus and sent him back to Spain in chains under the accusations of the crimes that they had actually been committing. Columbus was tried in Spanish court back then and found not guilty on all charges. So again, those claims we hear today about Columbus were also trumped up back then too. The new leaders that came after Columbus at that time didn't restrain the people like Columbus did. And that is when much of the mistreatment of natives became more pervasive in this new world. Even at this point, though, you can't say that anyone was genocidal as the majority of the deaths that actually occurred at this time were from diseases that were unknowingly brought to the new world. And the key word is unknowingly is as they didn't have the education about germs, bacteria, and the spread of illnesses back then like we do now. They had no way to know what they were bringing over and on the other side of things, many of the colonists and settlers who came here also began to get illnesses that they'd never had before in Europe. So again, it kind of went both ways. Um, but again, much much of the deaths that happened were not intentional. But to the accusation now that, that Columbus was simply after gold in his voyages to the New World. It is true that Columbus was in search of gold, but not for the reasons that were told. It it really had nothing to do with greed or just building his own wealth. Um, Columbus was actually Italian, as again we kind of talked about earlier, born in Italy. And but he was sailing for Spain since King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella had financed those voyages. These both of these two countries had been impacted by the Muslim Crusades. Now most of us have probably heard about the Christian Crusades. Um, there were eight of those Crusades uh, for the Christian Crusades. And they were a mostly failed attempts at regaining the Holy Land of Jerusalem and other areas that had been, been taken by Muslims back at that time. What's often left out of the stories of the Christian Crusades is that while there were eight Christian Crusades, there were over 500 Muslim Crusades that began about 300 years before the Christian Crusades and, and then lasted about 300 years or more after those Christian Crusades as well. Columbus, being a devout Christian was very concerned for the city of Jerusalem. Uh, based on the theological teachers of his day, Columbus believed that in about only 155 years, Christ would, would return. And it was his goal to have Jerusalem back in Christian possession by that time. It was this desire that drove him to seek out ways to discover gold in order to finance an operation to retake Jerusalem. Columbus is actually quoted as requesting Regarding the profits from his expeditions, that, quote, all the profits of this, my enterprise, may be sent in the conquest of Jerusalem, end quote. So yes, Columbus did want to find and acquire gold on his voyages, but not due to selfish or greedy intent. In fact, the, the records of the time will tell us that the natives who he found here didn't actually place much value on gold they actually would, would freely offer it to the settlers. 
However, Columbus wouldn't allow settlers and the new colonists just to take the gold from the natives without offering something them of value in return. And so while Columbus was after gold, he sought it to fulfill what he believed was his religious duty to recapture the Holy Land for the Lord's return, and again, would refuse to take gold from these natives without offering something of value back, even though they didn't really place a lot of value on it. Columbus was a man, yes, he certainly had faults, like I said before. But we can begin to see from this historical record, as outlined by Tim and David Barton in that book, The American Story, and the resources they utilize, that he was not the genocidal, greedy maniac that modern historians would have us believe. I do hope you found this episode interesting and getting to know some facts better about Columbus and who he really was. I know for me, I was amazed at many of the stories and descriptions told about Columbus as I read this particular chapter of the book. It really is crucial for us to know the real, true, and accurate stories of the past so that we can ensure that we don't make the same mistakes and also so we can be sure that we're standing on the same principles and philosophies that made this country great. Gentlemen, if you're enjoying this show, I can't tell you how much I would appreciate you guys going into your podcast platform and leaving me a rating interview. I'd love to continue to hear any thoughts on this episode. Um, I know this one was a little bit different than the other shows I've done, but I did really enjoy this topic, and I'm really looking forward to bringing some more topics like this and dropping them in the lineup from time to time and just setting the record straight on a variety of historical, historical figures, historical facts, and things like that. I do hope you guys have a great week, and until next time, I hope you guys will keep practicing the discipline of manliness.